And here in Detroit, where so many of the tools of victory were turned out, it's in the air. All Detroit wants another kind of victory. They're out to see the Detroit Tigers, their favorite ball team. Let's go inside. You're listening to Tigers SRD with your hosts and former Little League All-Stars, Chris Brown and Roger Castillo. Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD on Tiger Miley Report Network and Overtime Media Network. I'm Roger Steele, long time as Chris Brown. And you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Art Media, Stitchler, and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Tigers ML Report and our new Facebook page, Tigers Miley League Report. And if you can follow us individually as well at Tiger, or me at Rogcast81, and of course, Chris at Chris Brown0914. And before we get to our guest this evening, some news to announce we put on Twitter. For Motor City Bengals, Chris will be joining the staff here as soon as these, this paperwork stuff gets all taken care of and get all that stuff. So, uh, Chris, welcome aboard. Well, thank you. Yeah, it should, be, it should be a good time. And our guest this evening is Chelsea Ladd, who is the founder of Dugout Dish, which is her own website. She's doing everything on there. It's really, really cool layout, too, as well. It's easy to follow along. She covers independent baseball. She also writes for Prospects Live and across the seams coverage for pitcher for pitcher list, which they had a really good conference last week, and there's some really good data out there. And they have some just outstanding. They're building an empire over there. And Chelsea, welcome aboard. How are you doing this evening? I am good. I'm I'm excited to be here with you guys. Awesome. So Chris, go and ask her the or first time guest a question. <laughs> Yeah. Chelsea, yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, we, we always like to ask our first-time guests about their earliest baseball memory. Well, um, it's, it's not my actual memory. It's my parents. But the day I was born, my mom was in labor, and my dad was watching a Braves Expos game, and he's a big Braves fan. So, like, my mom was telling him to go get the nurse because, like, your daughter here she is and my dad was like one more inning one more inning one more inning <laughs> hold on Maddox he's got a good game going <laughs> right and the the nurse came in and she was like Mr. Ladd you you need to get suited up your daughter's on her way and he turned around and he was just like oh oh this is actually happening <laughs> and so he always says he won twice that day because the Braves won and he became a dad. So that's my earliest, like not my memory, but like yeah. the earliest memory. And then probably when my dad let me pick my team and I, I played softball and our colors were the same as the Dodgers. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to pick the Dodgers. Well, I immediately fell in love with Mike Piazza at a very young age and I wanted to be a catcher and that same season he was traded to the Marlins and then the Mets so I remember my dad was like well do you still want to be a fan of the Dodgers or do you want to you know follow your favorite baseball player and I was like go Mets and that (laughs) started a long suffering relationship that has carried on for 20 years and so, yeah, probably just the fact that 
of all people, the one I picked to be my favorite player ended up being traded and played for three different teams in one season. That's on brand for me. <laughs> oh yeah, that's probably my favorite or my earliest memory. So yeah. yeah. That first big trade is always tra- traumatizing to kids. Like, wait a minute, what? This can happen? It is. I was like, what do you mean he's not, like, playing on the, on the Dodgers anymore? I just bought a hat. I begged my dad for this hat. Like, are you kidding me? And considering, and then, yeah. you know, considering that your, your dad, correct, so your dad was a huge Braves fan? Huge Braves fan? He, yes, he still is to this day. So that okay, so it must have hurt him a little bit because Dodgers and Braves used to be division rivals too at some point. Yeah, then in the old mm-hmm. yeah, that was yeah. before before what ninety five. Yeah, before ninety five. Yeah, before, yeah. So, yikes! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those. Uh, the, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, he finally broke down and bought a Piazza jersey. We have a black Mets jersey. It's in my closet oh. right now. So he finally <laughs> oh, nice. broke down and got one to match me one year and. Still to this day, it's sitting right beside his Chipper Jones jersey in my closet. So it's like always the biggest joke that he had to buy both jerseys in one, you know, transaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's funny because my first traumatic trade I remember that I couldn't couldn't happen. I was even I was even around when it happened. I was I was on vacation. With my uh, my mother in Spain, and it was a Cecil Fielder trade when he got traded for oh, Matt Drews. The Yankees? Yeah, the Yankees for this highly regarded prospect in Matt Drews, and Matt Drews never made it to the majors. Cecil ended up. I was pissed. I was pissed for a long time, and it was just it, 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 because like Cecil Fielder. For any Tiger fans in the '90s, remember that it was that's all that's all the Detroit had after the '87 run and all that. It was just it was pre, it was Cecil Fielder. Mickey Telton, Dingers, Dingers, yeah, Dingers, Mike Hemming, and they were, you know, they were they were ahead of the time with home runs and what have you and good walk rates and who knew? And then we had you know the worst staff and one of the worst staffs in all time in 1996 with the ERA <laughs> over six. So I got a, um, you know, it, that's my first traumatic trade. Chris, what about you? What was your first traumatic trade? You know, I honestly don't remember uh, like a really traumatic trade as a kid because my I, I was kind of the opposite of Chelsea. I, I I was a Mets fan when I was younger. You know, I, I was always a Tigers fan just because they're around. But you know, my buddies and I, we, we picked teams and picked our favorite players and stuff. And I became a Mets fan because of Daryl Strawberry. And then he was a free agent and signed with the Dodgers. So I was like, well, now I'm a Dodgers fan. Uh, and then, <laughs> and it wasn't even like a trade. It was just everything in his life collapsed. And I learned he was like a terrible person. Oh, yeah. and I'm like, well, there goes my love for baseball players. I just uh, never, never meet your heroes, basically. So. But yeah, I don't really remember a trade that devastated me. Only fantasy trades that went the wrong way for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's relatable. Yeah. There's uh there's yeah, the franchise breakers and that there was a year the when I stopped playing I haven't played in a few years because the league I was in, I won three years in a row and the guys just got pissed and stopped and they were being so losers about it. So I gotta find a franchise. I gotta find a fantasy league to play in. It's been a while. But uh, so tonight we're gonna cover quite a bit. We'll get to some indie ball because I wanted to ask Chelsea with some of the there's the Northwood League in Michigan starting up. So for anybody who's in the Traverse City area, you got a chance about that and talk a little bit about that too. We'll we'll get to that shortly. We'll get some MLB draft grades and how the what we thought about some of the teams and how they fared and and then really just 
another well, the news topic here with the 60 game season and the ridiculousness with that. But uh, we also have some questions. So I'm looking forward to the, the questions we got tonight. We got about f- wow, five questions. So one from uh, Jay Mark. <laughs> yeah, we got one from Jay Markle. So, uh, but let's. Oh, I did. I marked a three down, but I didn't see. Yeah, I didn't see that too. So I'm gonna uh, go in blind on those. Okay. No, I'll. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll read those off. Those questions for in a little okay. bit. But uh, I like so, it. So ES. So ESPN. It's going back and forth, and and I know that all three of us are sitting on Twitter at some point waiting for baseball news to break through. And so Rob Manfield hates baseball. That's the kind of the way I wanted to kick things off a little bit. And and the the thing is, is that with. You saw last week, was it on, was that on ESP? It was on, I forgot where he was on, but he was mentioning that there will, there's going to be a hundred percent chance there's baseball. Then he says Monday, there's not, or it was yeah, Tuesday. I'm sorry. There was not going to be baseball. So then it's just, he's on this return to sports thing on ESPN yesterday. So the irony of that does not escape me, but so Chelsea is, as a person that covers baseball, how frustrating has it been on your end, especially with, especially for, you know, you look at the minor leagues and not be able to start in the year progression, but in just in terms of just this entire labor war, it, it just seems like it's the strike was going to eventually happen probably next year. or I, I thought it was, but I don't know what's your whole take on this whole thing. It just seems like it's just, there's no clear cut winner or solution out of this. It's aggravating because this would be my first full year covering baseball. <laughs> And so it's like, of course, the one year that I'm able to, you know, completely devote my time to this, it goes up in flames. But um, it's aggravating. I want nothing more than to see that breaking news of baseball's back. Let's go. Here we here we have a schedule, a season. But at the same time, I... I've studied the 94 strike and I was only three when it happened, but I've studied it and I'm preparing myself for the strike of 2022. I feel like I'm already like, you know, preparing for what's to come because ultimately right now it's such an ugly gray area with both sides. And of course I'm team player because some of the owners, some of the things that has been said, some of the things that's happened, it's just frustrating because they go from, well, you know, we're going to lose money this year to now there are, there are owners that are like, oh, well, we don't even want a season. It's like, okay, let's, let's think about this here. You go from worrying about losing money to you're just going to dip out completely. So it's very frustrating. I, of course, have you know just joined pitcher list and my my debut piece is about the negotiations and so every day i write just a little more and it's turning into a novel and i'm like <laughs> can we please can we please just end this because i really want to have my start my debut piece up soon you know and i i really just you know want to uh be able to say we're back boys and girls <laughs> like i just want to be able to say that and there are points in my debut piece for Pitcher List that's like, well, it doesn't look so good right now. And hopefully there's a there's a, a turn in this story at some point. But I'm frustrated. I have voiced it a lot on Twitter. 
I usually try to keep my mouth shut because, you know, my goal in life is to actually write for MLB. And so I try to, you know, keep things neutral, but with everything going on, I've been so impatient and I've opened my mouth a few times, especially with minor league baseball and everything going on with that. I have friends in the minors and every day they wake up, they're like, we don't know if we're going to be told, Hey, there's a season or Hey, you're done. You're, you're cut. So Mm -hmm. it's also frustrating for them. And it's frustrating for me because I know everything they've went, went through to get to this point and just to be told, Hey, you're done because of all of this going on. It's just, it, it breaks my heart. It, my blood pressure just raises like it just goes soaring when I when I get on Twitter and see all the new stuff and hopefully things look up but I'm very disappointed with how Manfred has handled all of this if and of course yesterday they were talking about how players had tested positive for COVID-19 and it's like that's horrible but a lot of people were like is that even is that even true and even Sean Doolittle and his wife were like can we have names can we can we you know if you're gonna go this far can we find out and you just wonder if that's a ploy just to continue to push things or if that's true but if they used COVID-19 as a way to get out of the season I wish they would have ultimately used that in March or April or May instead Mm -hmm. of waiting until the middle of June to say, Hey, you know what? Other sports are coming back, but we're going to, you know, we're just going to take this season and throw it in the trash. So I'm very just annoyed, aggravated, sad, in pain, disappointed. (laughs) Every, every negative word that you can have for for feelings is that's me right now. And it's, you know, it's just, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's just insane when you when you when I look at what I've been writing, I I read it out loud to my mom, and of course she understands a little, but I had to make the the comparison. I was like, you know, MLB is like, hey, we're gonna give you this bag of grapefruit, and the union's like, okay. So then the the league's like, well, we're only gonna give you one grapefruit, and then the <laughs> union's like, eh, no. So they're like. Well, what about if we give you an orange? No, like, no. If we give you a mandarin, they're like, uh, no. And then finally, in the tweet, like I even tweeted, I was like, at the very end, they're like, well, what about a kumquat? It's still a citrus fruit, like you know. Like, so she was like, okay, I get it now. And I'm like, see, it's that, like you know, yeah. I have to use fruit analogies, but that's how I I've, I've gotten my point across to a lot of people that haven't really understood what's going on. Yeah, because it is baffling. Chris and I have talked about this numerous times where it doesn't seem like a clear-cut plan. And Chris, uh, before, because I want to reference the 94 strike because Chelsea mentioned it, but I know, I mean, today you see the 60-game offer. I guess there's an expanded postseason. Chris, I mean, it's just, is there even, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't even have the words anymore. I'm just kind of like, eh, it's just kind of like at this point because waiting, even writing, it, like, it, Motor City Bengals, for for myself, I just try to I try to be neutral as possible, but I try not to go like an old man rant, like yelling at my lawn. But at some point, it's almost well. That's what we have another writer for, John uh, uh, Erica for. But I don't know, Chris. I mean, this news to you didn't really it didn't really shake you today, did it? 
no, you know, I was I was optimistic for the first time in a while that they actually met and, and came up with a proposal that actually sounds. Like, I think the players would probably still be pushing for like seventy-two games at their full salary, but this is the first time. I think before, you know, every offer was basically like Chelsea was saying it was it was kind of a different version of the same offer that was offering the same amount of money but with different games and different levels. And this one, I think, is the first time. So if it's 60 games at their full salary, I think that's, you know, 10% better or 12% better than what they were getting before. So it it feels like they might go along with it as long as they're, you know, the other parts of it were like, you know, they had to waive their rights to file for redress if they get sick or something like that. So I don't know. I am a little more optimistic, but it, it does. It's like, it's a little bit like, you know, they say never to go in business with your friends. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. you know, baseball is my friend and I just hate that there's so much business involved in it. And it, it, it you know, it's obviously it's natural. It's the way it goes. It's a billion, billion dollar industry, uh, $10 billion industry or whatever. But yeah, you just wish they could figure that sort of stuff out and, and just let the game be the game. Uh, and it's annoying to see all these other sports seemingly getting it together in baseball. Oh, yeah. And Chelsea said, you know, just if you were going to cancel it because of it would just have been nicer. You cancel it because of COVID-19 and then we don't see, get to see all this ugly uh, labor <laughs> negotiations go on in front of us while we wait. The only, the, the only thing that makes me somewhat hopeful is if they can figure this out and make it work, maybe, maybe that'll be an icebreaker for the CBA next year. Maybe that they can say, Hey, you know, we figured it out before. Maybe we can do it again. And it made slightly less likely to be a strike, but because, I mean, it's been ugly here these last couple of weeks, especially. So if they can figure this out, maybe maybe it won't be doom and gloom. But uh, I don't know. I'm still waiting for an actual official agreement. Yeah, and what what's interesting too, and Chelsea, you bring up the 94 strike, is that it's about yeah, it's about 20, 25, 26 years old, and the big difference here, and Chris mentioned the the millions of dollars here, you have that deal with. Was it TBS for a billion dollars? You just signed that, mm-hmm. and like it's the PR side of it, it's like, man, it's like it's like, okay, here here's what we're gonna do in, in a span of twenty four and forty eight hours. Ready? We're gonna tell you that the international signing period, which is coming up in July, we're gonna move to January. Aw, we're not gonna tell you. We're gonna tell you that you're not gonna have baseball. Aw, then, oh, but we're just gonna sneak in this little. You know, we're, we meet, we're over the weekend. Yeah, we uh got a deal for a billion dollars and like how did they that that part i didn't understand but even like you look at the 94 strike which none of the money was even at stake at this point it's a completely different it, it's to me what blew my mind about 94 was was that it almost in a way it parallels it they're trying to i mean correct me if i'm wrong chelsea but they're back then they were trying to put a salary cap in it was almost like mm-hmm. it was, in terms of artific- i know they're trying to do it artificially now but even then we're trying to actually do it and it was just, you know, you, Bud Seeley comes in as a new, it's, it's kind of eerily similar. Like, you know, Bud Seeley is new yeah. on the, is a commissioner. Rob Manfield's kind of new to the job. But the difference is that Bud Seeley was a owner, was the owner of the Brewers, had a love for baseball, um, and was able to, in terms of even like just the proposal was something, was it? Guarantee $1 billion in salary benefits, and the average player would go from $2.6 million to one point to uh, 1.2 million in, for, in 2001, like just salaries would rise that much. So that was, you know, of course, the back and forth between him and Donald Fear was just astonishing to watch. It's and very eerily similar, and to, and to an extent, you can draw a lot oh, of parallels yeah. from it. 
it's I when I was looking at it, I was just like, well, this is this is great. This is not something I would need to be looking at at midnight, missing baseball. Like, <laughs> it's like, wow, what have I what have I like done to myself tonight? I do that. I'll look back at like weird baseball history at like midnight when I can't sleep, and then like I'll dream about baseball and wake up, and it's like, oh well, it's still not back. So like. Oh. It's ridiculous. Well, you, and it has been getting heated, especially on social media. And I, I made the joke to my mom because Daniel Norris is like one of my favorite tigers, and I was like, you know, it's bad when he gets off his surfboard and tweets when and where. You know, they've done messed up when he gets <laughs> off his surfboard, and like, you know, like and my mom started laughing. She was like, oh my gosh. Well, even like in terms of even like so with any ball coming back and in, in some a- aspects, talk about your your interest in going into covering. Uh, uh, like, there's so many good indie leagues out there. You have the Atlantic, you have the the, the Atlantic League. You have up here in Michigan, North, the Northwood League. But talk about your interest in that and the level of competition. Barely speaking to maybe the low A or high A, and these guys chasing their dream and continuing on and, and trying to make something of it. And with minor league baseball and just, you know, they're trying to cut everything with that. So with that in mind, where can you find any ball and what, what for anybody who hasn't watched it, give us some really good idea. Um, I'm trying to think of a better way to say this, where, where can you watch it? And in addition to that, give us some teams or some leagues that are worth checking out. There you go. I, I don't know why I couldn't say that in the first yeah. place, but yeah. Um, I actually just spoke to the American association, um, of independent baseball commissioner today. Um, I'm working on FA English prospects live for that. They're actually going to start playing July 3rd. There's going to be three city hubs. And so six teams, I believe. So that's exciting. They're going to actually be played in, let me see where this picture is. Sent the schedule to my friend. And um, I didn't know if I text much after that. Wow. <laughs> there it is. So they're going to have hub cities in Fargo, North Dakota, Franklin, Wisconsin, and Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, the Chicago Dogs, the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks, the Milwaukee Milkmen, the um, ever-wonderful St. Paul Saints, the Sioux Falls Canaries, and the Winnipeg Gold Eyes are actually going to be the teams playing. And, of course, the Frontier League, which is, like, my home base. I am nestled in between a few teams. They are actually working on a season the Atlantic League is working on a season. I've been in talks with the United Shore Professional Baseball League, which is out of Michigan. Yep, right, so in, our, right in our backyard. Working. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. And I was just so looking. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry. Sorry about <laughs> that. Go so ahead. Oh, you're good. And so I'm working to do something with them soon. I was talking to Katie Page, which is their senior director, director of marketing and PR. But with indie ball, honestly, a lot of people look at it and they think, oh, you know, it's probably a beer league. It's probably, you know, guys that couldn't make it in A ball. And 
like the commissioner that I talked to today, he wants people to know that indie ball is professional. And especially in the coming years with minor league baseball doing everything that it's doing, all the changes coming, that a lot of guys, even guys in AAA, if they're released, you'll find them in indie ball. The competition's actually increasing in the coming years. And I think it's amazing. Um, right now, if you want to see a good maybe double A, even some triple A guys that, you know, are insanely talented. You can definitely check out an indie league. I, um, I've actually been able to talk to a few guys who were released from minor league affiliate or minor league teams. And they're, they're incredible to watch them. You wouldn't expect to go to an indie game and see the amount of talent that you see, um, so ultimately, I am like gung ho, ready for the future with indie ball. I am so excited to see what comes out of it. Of course, I'm a big minor league fan, big minor league girl, and I hate what's happening. But I am excited to see how indie ball grows from this. So ultimately, if you are looking for a a, a game, you're you want to go to the ballpark with your family for a great amount of money. I know I can go to a game with my mom and dad for under 30 bucks. Um, you don't have to spend like 15 to $20 on a, on a beer at the game. It's much cheaper than that. And you can sit behind home plate. You can hear the umps every single call you can, via just the sound of a bat and ball making a connection like it's it's the old school feel but yeah you feel like you're at a minor league game and I think a lot of people if they were able to go to more indie games would really see the beauty in it so I'm a big big promoter and advocate for indie ball yeah, the United Shore League is not too far from, it's about a half hour, not about 45 minutes away from my house, and Chris is like an hour from you, right? Uh, you know, yeah, what, Utica? I don't yeah, know Utica. Been up there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Utica. It's uh, we. I went to a game last year, We or my day job did a, we did a whole sponsorship thing, and it was really cool to get on the field, and some of the talent that was able to, I think one of them, I believe, one prospect came out to the Twins, I believe, already. I think was it was the guy that was uh, pitched. Yeah, uh, the, their pitcher. Yeah, he pitched in the playoffs, and I always forget his name. Yeah, me too. I'm drawing a blank but, on his uh, name. But no, you're absolutely right, Chelsea. The up here in Michigan, the United Shore League and the Northwest League, which we had a, a buddy or my, or friend of the show, Jordan, who was their play-by-play guy for the Traverse City uh, Cherry or Pit Spitter or Spit Pit Spitters. Yeah, yeah, Pit Spitters. Yep. Yeah, and we have a, uh, a friend of ours who worked for the West Michigan Whitecaps up there, Mickey, who's their general manager, doing a great job up there and promoting the game. And the same company or the same owner that owns the White, West Michigan Whitecaps, the Tigers single affiliate, also, I believe, also owns the Traverse City team. So there's some really good baseball on the West Coast of Michigan that's going to be starting up here shortly. So, but yeah, Chelsea's correct. There's so much good value. There's such, there is a, you're right, kind of a classic retro feel to it. And mm-hmm. it's very – the one thing about indie ball, too, that I can appreciate as well is that when you watch a, a documentary about the Portland Mavericks, the kind of like they were – mind you, they were one of the last indie teams in the minor league in the, in the, the traditional MLB system they had and have that kind of like 
it does have that feel to it. Like it's just like the, the almost like they're going to be going out there and doing max effort. Not to say that minor league players MLB efforts don't do or that they don't do max effort, but still, to have it out there is just a, it's a different kind of feel to it. So, um, oh yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, you know, well, go ahead, Joe. Oh, you can go ahead. I was just going to, I was going to add like some of the guys that have actually made it from indie ball to the majors. Yeah. It was Randy Dobnak was the guy from, from, for the twins. Thank, okay. no, I, I was just going to say mm-hmm. something we've talked about before. It's, it's, you basically, it's as cheesy as it sounds. You see in indie ball, you see guys playing for the love of the game or playing like they're playing to win. There's not, there's not as much focus, uh, nearly as much focus on player development as there is in the minor league. So, you know, the, minor leagues you might get a guy out there who's walking 12 people because he's trying to throw his change up or something like that and you know right it's just it's just guys trying to play and win and so i think it's probably a little more competitive and a little bit more enjoyable for fans yeah like i was talking to the washington wild things gm through the frontier league he's one of my good friends and i did a piece on dugout dish about the wild things and how they're doing with you know the postponement of the season and he said that one thing that stood out to me is that these teams even though they're a part of a league they're independent independently owned so whereas we're having all this drama with major league baseball right now it's easier for an indie team to come back or even an indie league to come back because there's no arguments over hey well you know you're not going to get this this amount this year so you know what are you going to do about it and with this i know guys that make maybe five hundred dollars a month maybe give or take playing indie ball i know that the picos league which is i will say it, it's one of my least favorite things ever they play in like they play like sixty games in seventy days, and they make fifty dollars a week. Ooh, wow! So like, yeah. So like, the guys who do this, like, they're grinding. A lot of them, they'll be released, and they're just grinding to get back where they were. Um, especially, there's some, especially with pitchers. A lot of them that get in, injured, they can't come back. They're free agent, and they're like, you know what? At least this way, I get to play ball. Um, and then guys who aren't drafted, this is a good opportunity for them to show what they've got. I know we're probably going to see a lot of guys out of college, out of high school that go to indie leagues that weren't drafted because, of course, the yeah. draft was only five rounds this year. And so that'll help them, especially guys that, you know, their season was cut short. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare this year and next year and it's it's insane when you think about it, but a lot of guys, you look at them and you're like, okay, this one this one's going to get signed. And I remember that last year we were at a minors game, and my mom was with me, and of course she doesn't read baseball like my dad and I do. Like she she knows the game, she loves the game, but like my dad and I can tell you like, oh well that's this and this and that. And she looked at me, and she was like, that little boy's gonna be signed this year. And sure enough, he was. Like I told her I was so excited to tell her. I was like, Hey, look, you remember? And she was like, I knew it. He's so good. Like and it's so cool. Like little kids, like of course with minor league games, they have a lot of stuff for kids. And with indie ball, like the minors, 
especially. They have things before the game for kids. They have things in between each inning, seventh inning stretch. They have activities. I know last year at the 4th of July celebration, like my cousin actually was in a watermelon eating contest. She was the only girl, and I was so embarrassed. Like, I was like, I don't know you. Go away. From, like, get away. Like, I was like, oh, my God. And so, like, people that, like, guys I knew that played, they were like, they messaged me after. They were like, aren't you related to her? And I'm like, stop, stop. <laughs> but um, ultimately, like, you know, kids can run around the bases after the game. And the players, like, they're so nice and they're so genuine. And they will stay after the game. They'll, you know, talk to fans. They'll take pictures. They'll find autographs. And it's so refreshing. It's so nice to see it because I know that a lot of people say baseball is a dying sport. And it's been dying for 150 years. But... Yeah. <laughs> um, Luckily, like, I know a lot of little kids, they go to a major league game and they're they're not able to meet their idols. They're not able to meet the guy with the sh- the, their name on the back of their jersey. And with Indy League, the kids get to meet the players. Like, they get to be around their heroes. And I, I, I guess I'm really romantic about baseball because that just that is the beauty of it. That's one of the reasons I fell in love with it. And... I actually, my first game, professional game I ever went to was an Evansville Otters game. And I didn't understand that that was not Major League Baseball. So my dad, I was so nervous. I didn't want to go down there and meet the players. I was like maybe 11. And so my dad had to go down there, stand in the middle of all these kids holding a ball so these players could sign it. (laughs) I've put my dad through a lot, if you can't tell. (laughs) But, um... It was really great. And I still have that ball. It's actually on my desk glaring at me right now. But it's a lot of fields are older. And the Evansville Otters, which I tweeted earlier, they are doing a 100th, 105th anniversary for their field. It's Bossy Field in Evansville, Indiana. And it was actually featured in a league of their own. So that's oh, wow. really cool. And they're, they're getting to do a bunch of fun stuff. I was actually... Sadly, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but they were going to do a league of their own night, and I was going to cover it. Um, players were going to have like uniforms that look like the Rockford Peaches and like the uniforms from the movie, and they were going to try to have some cast members from the movie that were actually that had grown up in um, Evansville. So that was really cool. They were going to show the movie as well, and I think that's the the beauty of indie ball. Ultimately, is it's it's more accessible for families. It's more um, engaging. It's, it's not the bright lights and the, the flashy, you know, well, we're a major league team, you know, it's, it's, Hey, we're, we're doing this because we love the game and we're not going to do like, Oh, no more autographs. We're going to be like, Hey, do as many autographs as we possibly can. So if, if anyone has a family, little kids that love the game, it helps because ultimately indie ball, I think will be a big step for growing the game with a younger generation. Cause Hey, they get to be out there with their, 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 the players they like watching. So, Hey, I can do that too. I'm going to do that when I grow up. So ultimately I think it's going to grow the game and I'm 
crossing my fingers and hope that this isn't on old takes exposed in like 10 years. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, yeah. Chris, what are you going to say? I'm sorry. Oh, I, yeah, I think she, she made a great point that uh, because the draft was only five rounds long and, and you know, a lot of these guys getting signed as undrafted free agents now, but a lot of them are going to go out there and go to indie ball, like Chelsea said, and, and that might bring more scouts to the indie ball too, which means maybe more indie players will get signed. So they're, because there's not going to be like any traditional minor leagues going on, so where else are the scouts going to go? Yeah. So I think that could uh, uh, end up being sort of a, a positive for this. We might see a bunch of guys go out there and, and play really well in, in indie ball, and suddenly, uh, you know, every team's got a bunch of them. So that, oh, look yeah. forward to that. Yeah, and not to mention too, I think that if, if unfortunate the unfortunate the, the casualty of this with minor league teams being cut, pos- the, that potentially happened. You could see teams like the Windish, like you. You did a really good article about the Wind, uh, Windy City Thunderbolts, and by the way, that cap because I I have about eighty five caps uh, hats uh, just of various teams. Um, the entire Tiger Mining League system. I still don't have an indie cap though. I don't have one. It's I'm guilty of because I love that logo. The WC is just like this uh, old school logo too. I really like it. Anyway. Um, I think with the indie league, what's going to happen is the, uh, the the casualty of the minor leagues potentially being cut is you're going to see these independent leagues filled with with probably better talent. I mean, some of the teams in the Frontier League have been around for a, for a while. This is this is the league that's been around since 1993, mm-hmm. and you have the, your average baseball audience member TV audience is 57 years old. Be that as it may, I still think that if you, this has been around for a while, if you get people in, like you were saying earlier, Chelsea, about getting them in a younger demographic, get that going here in Indie Ball, that will that will trickle up. I really believe that. And I think that with and it translates or transitions us into the draft. The kids that are not picked, that weren't picked in the five rounds, that go in these leagues, and there's no single A affiliates anymore. Some of the rookie ball leagues will be cut. This will be a good opportunity for them to, to continue that and so for draft grades this is where you know the, so chris and i were talking beforehand there were so many teams that we liked the drafts so we were just kind of figuring out which three to go with and three we were kind of like eh about so chelsea i'll let you kick off your free, your three teams that you like the draft the most and with three teams you're just eh about oh um honestly i was excited about the tigers uh, the Milwaukee Brewers and the New York Mets. Ooh, actually, yeah, they had a really they had I was a really, really excited to. They they drafted a lot of good young talent. I'm or um I'm sorry they had a, a couple of good high school. Or, yeah, it was I'm trying to think of the mm-hmm. guy in the third round. Um, I really liked the Chris and I were talking about earlier. Um, drawing a blank now all of a sudden. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Which, which team? Uh, for the Mets. Oh well, they, yeah, they ended up. They took Pete Crow Armstrong and Isaiah Green. Isaiah Green, that's what it was. Yeah, I saw center fielders, and then they got JT Gunn in the second round, which is kind of surprising to me. So, I think they they kind of uh, used all their money on those three. But it was still, I mean, if oh gonna, yeah, like like we were saying, that's that's like three top fifty players. So if you're going to go in, go in. So that was good. I was kind of disappointed with the Cardinals. Of course, I wanted Bryce Jarvis and Cole Wilcox. I had, you know, my my dream list for the Cardinals, and of course, I, you know, I I didn't get that. But I I'm happy with the Cardinals, but I, I feel like they could have went a completely different route than they did. They went with a lot of high school, or they went yeah. with three high school. 
Well, let me let me ask you this about Mason Wynn. I mean, uh, the, the Mason Wynn doesn't seem like a typical Cardinal pick, does it? I mean, it seems like the, they, for them, the Cardinals seem like they go college heavy or they, they'll get a, a, a high school guy with a high ceiling. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, yeah, I mean, would, it, that one surprised me. Uh, yeah, so I actually liked the Cardinals because I, 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 I like it when teams take those risky high ceiling guys, just maybe because mm-hmm. the Tigers never do it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, get, you get huge boomer bust types with Jordan Walker and, and Mason Wynn. And I really liked Mason Wynn as a, just as a shortstop. I, I thought, you know, a, a guy with, he's got like plus power, plus speed, a huge arm. Mm-hmm. Like if you could, if you can hit like that's, you can get a potential superstar there. Uh, but obviously, you know, it's, it's tough to get those guys to hit. Uh, and yeah, but then they kind of, they took, they took a couple safer players, um, Levi Prater, who I think had he's he's one the guy who had like two fingers. He had a like a horrible combine thresher accident or something like that when he was a kid. Yeah, I think so. Um, and Alec Burleson is kind of uh, he's just kind of a you know a solid corner outfielder. But I did I do really like uh, Ian Bedell, and I think he's a Missouri mm-hmm. kid, or at least he went to Missouri. And that, that's a guy I, I thought he would go to Cleveland because he was super young for the draft, and it's kind of got you know above average command and, and four solid pitches, but. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he's you – know, the Cardinals just seem to have that – what do they call it? The devil magic? So it wouldn't oh, shock yeah. me if some of these guys become – some of these guys become really good players. But Yeah, about that devil magic. I think the Washington Nationals took it away last year because yeah. when they were playing in the NLCS, there was actually a priest. They showed a priest on the, on the broadcast. Oh, yeah. And the Cardinals, like, were – horrible after that so i'm like oh well, now we know what happened i cast you out <laughs> um i really i really do think that happens <laughs> yeah there's some sort of uh exorcist kind of uh device but uh one team i did a couple teams that i wanted to t- discuss that i liked was i know that r- r- let's go, i'll go with three disappointing teams i think that the braves did well with uh getting jared schuster but with jesse franklin I think, and I know your dad's a big Braves fan, so, but I just, I don't know, like, with Jesse Franklin, he's out, he's been out for a season with a collarbone, so it's like, do the Braves just have all this glutton of prospects, and they're just kind of like, yeah, you know, they'll be fine with, and I think Franklin has tremendous upside watching him play here, but I, I don't know, like, in terms of overall what the Braves did, and just, I don't know, I, I felt that, like, they could have done better. I mean, it, it's, looking at what yeah. they, it, oh, yeah. they just... I think Atlanta's in a place right now where position wise, I think they're they're stacked in a lot of different positions with they have really good pitching right now, but and we've talked about this before with uh Jason uh I'm trying to draw black uh, blank Waddell? Yeah, Waddell, Jason Waddell. And a lot of their profile mm-hmm. the, a lot of their pitchers can profile as relievers too. So they have all this pitching, so you would think they would go back to the to kind of the well again a little bit and outside of uh Schuster and you go with Jesse Franklin, okay, that that you know, that's fine. But then, I don't know. I, I I thought the Braves were going to surprise us a little bit, but beyond that, I mean, I go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you. Like it, it shocked me. Like I was kind of like, oh, what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? Red, those and of course the the Red Sox. Like I think the Braves and the Red. Sox, my dad's two teams, kind of just. Left me scratching my head. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that the I know the Braves did like Jared Kelly quite a bit, but 
you know, it, I think also it was kind of, um, it seemed like too, there was issues with like slot and kind of that going that, uh, route, but, uh, Boston too, like <laughs> you picked that kid and everybody was, I remember on the draft covers, they picked that kid out of like, it was California. And there was a like, who, um, York. Yeah. York. And then yeah. I, that, <laughs> I know I do nothing about him whatsoever. I did like, I know one I, of the husbands on, uh, I dream of genie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Cubs, I thought the Cubs had a really good draft too. Uh, they, you know, Ed, Ed Howard, it's a good hometown story, but another Michigan guy, um, Jordan, um, Chris, yeah. And then I do like that, um, Luke little pick, which gives him another guy in the bullpen, the break or the, excuse me, the Cubs kind of lack a little depth out there, but, um, and I do like, uh, Burl Carway or Carwell or Carway. I cannot pronounce his names tonight this evening. Big Burl. Big Burl. Yeah, Big Burl's a big dude. <laughs> he's he's, he's kind of small. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I thought I thought that. And then, of course, Chris and I were talking beforehand, the Braves with another Logan Allen. But that was a good Logan Allen pick, and I thought the Indians also did pretty well. Cleveland, yeah. Well, you, Chris. Uh, yeah, well, you know, Chelsea mentioned the Brewers. I really liked the Brewers draft. In a lot of ways, it reminded me of the Tigers draft, uh, where they just kind of kept letting good college players fall to them. And we talked about this uh, mm-hmm. just – personally yesterday like like garrett mitchell at the 20th pick from a tool standpoint he he's like a top five player in the entire draft so if if he hits that could be a monster pick for them and then they let you know they get freddie zamora the shortstop in the second round who was probably a first round talent if he didn't get hurt and uh you know he got kicked suspended a little bit earlier in the year but but he's got first round tools and then xavier warren from central michigan here i really like you know he's a guy who can hit and he's been playing infield for the last two years, like shortstop and third base, but he has played catcher before. And that might be the perfect kind of catcher to have in the future when, when you've got robo umps, basically, you know, he's a guy who can hit from, yeah. from both sides of the plate and, and you don't have to worry about him framing and stuff like that. He just, you know, goes back there and catches and throws. And then another Michigan kid, Joey Weimer, who I really like, uh, just is another kid who's like super tooled up. I mean, really they got, it's really rare to get, college players who have those sorts of tools. Most of those like five tool players get drafted out of high school and they landed mm-hmm. two of them in the draft and, and Weimer and, and Mitchell. So I was really impressed with that. And then, and then got another interesting in, infielder in Hayden Cantrell, who's got his own YouTube channel. Um, it's moderately successful. I think he's got about 10,000 followers. Uh, but yeah, he, he's, he's solid. So I thought they did really well. Um, and let's see, I, I, I actually, I hadn't earmarked the Cardinals, but we already talked about them. So maybe the Mariners, I liked what the Mariners did. You know, oh, they yeah. uh, they basically, you know, Emerson Hancock was talking about maybe going first overall a couple months ago, and, and they let him fall to them at six. And you know, who knows? But they've they've done pretty well with some pitchers lately. Logan Gilbert and uh, who's the other kid? George Kirby. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you know, Zach Deloach is is he had a monster <laughs> uh, Cape Cod League, and then was off to a ridiculous start this year. And so he's one of those guys who could have conceivably gone in the first round if the season had continued, if he continued hitting the way he was. So that seems like a good value. And then Connor Phillips is, is uh, one of the better Juco kids. So that was, mm-hmm. I think he might be from Seattle in that area. Or maybe I'm confusing with somebody else, but then uh, I mentioned this guy in the last show, Roger Caden Polkovich or Polkovich or whatever. He was, he's a guy I really like too, because he's, just kind of one of those classic under the radar kids where he was committed to Kentucky, I think, and then got kicked off the team for something and mm-hmm. spent two years at Juco and then did really well in the Cape Cod league. And then was off to a nice start for Oklahoma state this year. And it's another 
another one of those kids that feels like he could have gone much higher if the season had continued. And then uh, I really like Tyler Keenan too. The, I call him a donkey in, in our mock, mock draft because he's like he's like you know he's he just got a big old butt and he's like 650 pounds playing third base. I don't think he's going to continue playing third base, but moving to first and he's going to hit. So. And then uh, one more team. How about that? Uh, who oh. else did I like? I liked uh, well, we the Blue about, Jays. Yeah, I was going to say it was uh, Nick, Nick Fat, uh, Frasso. That was a guy who, if he was healthy, could have gotten a higher pick. I mean, you talk about his makeup in mm-hmm. terms of just piling up. I mean, he, he, had 74, he had 74 strikeouts in 60 innings in his freshman year, and he just seemed like he was on his way. And then, that, that of course, is the elbow injury doesn't help. But mid-90s fastball, he got it was close to 98. And he got him. They got him on the sixty scale. On the guy's fastball at sixty on the scale. So we have a, a, a changeup that sits like that and then drops six five frame. Typical Tiger. Like I would thought. You know, the Tigers were able to pick him up. I would thought it'd been a good like typical Tiger profile. Tall reliever, which is Tigers seem like have this case six four. Sign him up. But it, yeah, well, I I kind of called him the. He's a little bit like the alternate reality Matt Manning because Matt Manning was going to go to Loyola Marymount where Frasso went and they, they were both really good basketball players. Like I, I encourage people to go look at Nick Frasso's basketball highlights from high school. And also during a rain delay in the Cape Cod league, they basically had a dunk contest. that was just him dunking all over the place, which is fun. So he's, yeah, he's a really good athlete. And, uh, you know, I think he, he has a chance to start, but uh, it, it's just one of those guys where he, yeah, he's still kind of raw, but, you know, I mean, sometimes those raw college arms really figure it out and then become Jacob DeGrom. But, uh, no, I mean, to get Austin Martin at fifth is, is a terrific value. And mm-hmm. I I was a big fan of Trent Palmer because, uh, and this is just, like, super nerdy, but he has really great spin rates on, on his fastball and breaking <laughs> balls. Like, they're all in the 90th percentile for Major League Baseball. So I feel like a team, you know, might be able to do something with that. So... Yeah, and, and Zach Britton was a solid, uh, you know, solid college outfielder to get him in the fifth round. I, th- I thought they did well. So I don't mean, but that's the thing. You know, I dug way deep into this draft because what else am I going to do? And so, like I was saying, Roger, I think I like about 120 players who were drafted. <laughs> so it's hard for me to find drafts that I didn't like. You guys mentioned two of them that were a little bit iffy, or at least one of them, the Red Sox. Just, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I don't necessarily hate it. And same with the White Sox. I don't really hate their draft, but. It just seems very risky to me. They both both kind of went oh, all yeah. in. The White Sox went all in on on two pitchers, and the Red Sox kind of went all in on two hitters. And it's one of those things where, like, man, if those guys don't work out, that's gonna you're gonna come up really empty. But if they hit, then they're gonna look really smart. And then the uh, the last one I didn't like was the Rangers. It just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Like they they took yeah. they there was a lot of talk about Justin Foscue moving up draft boards because just the way college hitters move up. Uh, around draft time, like, yeah, this guy's got a track record, so he's going to move up. And so I wasn't super shocked about him going there, but then they just took, like, four straight high schoolers. It was weird. Like, the Rangers forever took these really toolsy, uh, raw high school kids, and they they got nothing out of it, basically, for, for many years. And then last year, it seemed like they changed. And then again, the first pick this year seemed like they changed, and then they, like they reverted right back to what they were. And, and so there's four really risky picks, and, and none of them were super highly touted either yeah. so i don't uh, was and it? i wasn't crazy about that one. Oh, the evan carter mm-hmm. was even in the top five top uh 500 yeah, uh, baseball america i never heard of that guy. yeah same here even um you know i never heard of was the tacoa roby well that was another that was their third rounder and i drew a blank on that but they're now the rangers 
I don't know for for all they do very well internationally. So they've done a little. They've done better than the Tigers have recently with that. So I, I mean, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Oh. They're there. Is the dog Where's my oh. dog squeaking oh. his toy? Oh, <laughs> oh, Charlie, get up! Come on. Um, but no. I, <laughs> no, but the uh, I, you know, it, it's going back to even another team that I thought that uh, a couple players that stood out to me. Another team that had a couple players that stood out was the Marlins. The Marlins got aggressive. They signed Max Meyer immediately, too, within a couple of days, I believe. And they had a really good draft, but with some risk, of course, with Dax Fulton, who had Tommy John surgery. And I do like Kyle, Kyle Nichols, but then, it's, again, there's a little bit of risk of that, too. But the Marlins, I'm not sure how still a fan you are of the Marlins, Chelsea, but... Uh, it seems like Derek Jeter is Piazza for two days. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the Marlins seem like they're in terms of PR image. I've, I've I've talked about this with Chris numerous of times. They seem like they've taken a hit for a long time, but they're they're cleaning up. They're quietly cleaning up with some. Of, they have some really good prospects down there, and they're they're building, and especially mm-hmm. in a, the, the, and a, how competitive the NL East is. Looks like they're just, they're building themselves a winner. I think so. I I've always had that that hope for them of course they're my favorite on twitter i've had multiple conversations with the marlins on twitter i love them but um i i would really like to see the marlins grow and surprise a lot of people in the future and i think i think with what they've done they they really could yeah, you know, they 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 kind of had the worst of both worlds there for a little bit, where they their farm system mm-hmm. was was awful, and they were bad at the major league level while not drawing any fans. And it's like at least, and, and that wasn't always the case. They used to have pretty far, strong farm systems, and it was just always as soon as the players got to arbitration age, they got shipped off. And, you know, Tigers were the benefit uh, beneficiaries of Miguel Cabrera, but uh, yeah. So hopefully, you know, they're building the farm system back up. Hopefully, they will try to you know fix the the next part too or maybe keeping some of these players yeah. around although they did they did sign Giancarlo Stanton to a, that four billion dollar deal that one time so what do I know yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way to describe it it's just like yeah boy there's no there's mm-hmm. the, but uh, there's uh at least they they actually got their their act together jersey wise too I mean that's just a small consequence because for a while that that previous the, the last part of the jeffrey loria era with the yeah anyway going on about that but uh so chelsea what are you before we let you go this evening what are what, what articles you have going on and what do you have planned here in the next month if, if probably there is a season what are what is your next two months looking like in just terms of just uh cranking out material for not only like i said your, your website seriously that is really cool clean design Really, it's just impressive, and and even just be able to go out there and the the with pitching list. What are your plans here in the next couple of months, provided provided there is a season? Um. Well, for dugout, I'm going to try to do as much as I can. I know I'll. I'm doing each week. I do swinging into history right now. It's just a, a each week. It's like a different player just throughout history. Just a little bit about about them. Um, I have a lot of indie ball stuff coming out between Dugout Dish and Prospects Live. And then on Pitcher List, I have, of course, the negotiation novel that 
is like never ending. <laughs> um, I also have a podcast where I ramble about baseball. So if baseball comes back, I will have a lot more major league baseball content on dugout, which I'm looking forward to because I miss it. Otherwise it's going to be a lot of indie ball on all of my platforms. But my goal is to have some sort of, you know, news on each, each, all 30 teams. Like that's the goal with dugout is to be able to write about all the teams. And that way it's a little bit of something for everyone. And I know I have like six teams that I'm a fan of. So a lot of people are like, how can you do that? And I'm like, well, I just love the game. So like, leave me alone. No. And that includes the Tigers, of course. So I hopefully have a, a few fun things coming. Yeah, I really enjoyed your article on who inspired you to be productive, which was Nate Metz in a little bit. And I really, what, mm-hmm. I, what I liked about that article was that you did a very good job of painting a picture of Bush Stadium too. And I know Cardinal fans, we've talked to, we've had a couple of pe- people on who are big Cardinals, uh, a couple of Cardinal bloggers. And I know the Cardinal fans take a lot of pride, and rightfully so. I mean, it's just, they're, it's a, it's a fan base that is like just known across the Midwest for what they are just a big, big fan base between how they follow the, the minor league, the minor league system and everything. And, but I really, really enjoy that because it's cool to see somebody who helped you kind of push you along and, and talk about the, how just how this is a gut punching reminder and, and like pulling that exactly from your article. It's just, it is cool that to be reminded. It's not, it's not cool, but it's, it's I says, it is really cool. It's okay. Let me. All right, I'm struggling here for a second here. I, all right, I know what I'm gonna say it like this. Essentially, to be, be no. <laughs> I, I, sorry, I'm like trying to like. I was trying to come up with something, and I'm I I worked like a 12 hour shift today, so I'm a little a little fried. But uh, essentially, to be that to I think people are not aware of how rare this is this is right now, and all we do sometimes is mm-hmm. I feel like we we have to kind of look back in the past and remember like in certain cases it was a it was a possibly a lot worse and to have that perspective and, and have that kind of it is a nice break from reality you're absolutely right and to be reminded of that and just kind of go you know what i can i can look back in the past and look at memories of you know with hanging out with my with my family and all that and just kind of have that as a reminder that is that is a really cool thing to, to remind people of that hey it's, it's gonna be okay baseball will be back and you'll be able to enjoy in certain cases crystal enjoys his nachos at the ballpark i personally like a, a really good they have a comerica park has these fries with pulled pork and barbecue sauce on them really really good i'm not sure what your cuisine choice is when you go to the ballpark but i i definitely miss uh just the smells and, and the sounds of it all oh yeah and that actually sounds really good so when i finally make it to detroit i know what i'm trying <laughs> Yeah, there's there's uh, if you ever get a chance to go to West Michigan too, where the Whitecaps play, they have a burger. It's like this that was on um, Man versus uh, food, Man versus. Oh, they, they yeah. I think they canceled that burger. Oh, did they? they? Oh, okay. Yeah. Damn, that was, a... it was it was like the you had to you had to eat it by what the ninth inning or the seventh inning or something like that. Yeah, and like it was fifty dollars. Otherwise, if uh, if you didn't eat it, but um, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah the... I would have failed at that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't eat like that anymore, but there's there's some really good like that's the, the the what I like about the ballpark is just the whole having the experience with your family, the friends, and we're not having that right now. I I hope that 
when it comes back, we can enjoy it in some capacity. So, so what? Yeah, what uh, is there anything in terms of even uh, any other uh, your, your podcast or anything you want to talk about that's coming out in the next week or so? Um, I'm trying to get a few baseball players to join my podcast. Of course, every time I ask any of my friends to play, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. And I'm like, please, please. I I will, like, give you $50, please. <laughs> so hopefully I can bribe some of my friends that play ball to join my podcast in the coming weeks. So that's that'll be something fun to look forward to if I can, you know, flip them a 50 under the, under the door and be like, hey, see, <laughs> come on. Just be on there for five minutes. Five minutes. Maybe we should try that. No, that's a, yeah, well, I mean <laughs> – we had Zach Hess on a couple of weeks ago, so I mean, they're, 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 we'll get some more minor leaders on. But you can find Chelsea at dugoutdish.com. She is also on Twitter, and I don't have your handle. I had your handle up there, but uh, tell everybody your handle for, for us. Handle. It is Chelsea Brooke. Okay, there we go. Um, but yeah, I'll, on the show description, we'll put a link to her website. Check out her story. Like, like I said, she's just. She does a really good job of painting the picture out there and looking forward to what you have in store coming up here. If Hopefully hopefully there's baseball because it, it would be nice and we don't have to uh, speculate anymore. So um, episode 17. Oh, yeah. Episode 17 you can find on her on Spotify, too. It's uh, just simply called When and Where. So there you go. And that's uh, that's on, on her website. So, Chelsea, again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. No problem. Yeah, thanks, Chelsea.